This episode of Vic's Basement is brought to you by EB Games. Support us by buying your video games at EB Games. Welcome to Vic's Basement, everybody. Our good friend, Brian Provinciano, I hope I'm saying that correctly, has joined me here down in the basement on a very sunny day. Brian, you, of course, are from V-Blank Entertainment. V-Blank Entertainment sounds like a porno company. No. I got to be honest with you. Sorry to disappoint. It's actually your company that you own and operate in the wake of having made Retro City Rampage, which was a huge success. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you, so now you, you just sit home every day <laughs> with bags of money like Scrooge McDuck. Is that his name? Scrooge McDuck? Scrooge McDuck. And you just count your money and, and you just enjoy your life. I mean, what happens to people after you make a video game and then it turns out to exceed really even your wildest dreams? Uh, it's, it's, um, it's amazing, but... The one big thing is it wasn't an overnight success, really. Like, it, it had a lot of hype, and it did well at launch, but it really did well, like, going on and going on at Snowball. Yeah. And so, it, a lot of ups and downs. Like, initially, it had all this hype, and so I thought that it was really, really, really going to do well at launch. And it did well, but it didn't do amazing. But then, over the next year and then two years, it did, like, four times better than I ever hoped it would. So, it's, uh, it's, it's something that the whole days of overnight successes they're not, you know, that's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, uh, it's, it's been basically ported to every platform out there. In fact, I got to be honest, I don't know if you want me to reveal this, but he showed up at the basement today with uh, free copies of the PlayStation Vita version of Retro City Rampage. And uh, I, I, I kind of know what I'm doing for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> uh, and, and in fact, I mean, I've played this game multiple times on different platforms. And I mean, I don't know, you're such a nice guy. We actually live kind of in the same neighborhood in Vancouver, and uh, it's so weird to see this guy that made Retro City Rampage just like doing his shopping or strolling around the neighborhood with his girlfriend or just acting like a normal person because we think, I think, at least we do here on EP Daily, we think of uh, video game makers and developers as kind of superheroes. And so just seeing one like you uh, acting so in such a normal, prosaic kind of fashion is, is exciting for us. Well, it's it's weird because I I feel I'm a little giddy it's, today. It's hard to it's hard to be described that way. Like I don't see myself. <laughs> so it's it's very humbling. But you worked your ass off. I did, yeah. Yeah, and you know, in fact, there were different junctures where uh, when the game after the game had come out, where I was a little worried about your health. Well, frankly. you know, I mean, to be honest. Uh, you guys, I was on Vic's Basement right after it came out, and that was one of the only interviews I did. I was, in fact, I was like avoiding video interviews because I was so exhausted and drained, and people were just look, looking at me like, man, you need to go to the hospital because I yeah, just physically... Yeah, you're all pale. And, yeah. And now you look buff again. I mean, yeah. you're kind of ripped. Uh, I mean, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, <laughs> but you, you could probably do the show without your shirt on and you'd feel comfortable. Vic and myself, we, of course, would look terrible without our shirts off. But you look like you're back in shape, you're 100%, and I know you can't really talk about anything new, but you're probably working on some new stuff. I am, yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the other things that a lot of people don't hear about, and I don't really want to go yeah. down the whole sob story, but, but basically sometimes you do push yourself so hard to do a game that you go at 200% for so long, and then you go at 0% for a while, not even like 50. Uh, and so I did like just back and neck issues and whatever and just pushing through those to finish the game and then after just like oh geez I need to see the doctor and I need to go to physio yeah. and, um, and so that kind of 
made it so that's why I haven't shipped the second game yet because I had to deal with that and kind of uh, make up for lost time that I should have been doing during development just with my health. You know, it's so funny because uh, <clears throat> well, two things. Uh, do you feel like, like we're ready as a, as a medium, as the video game industry, that we're ready for kind of a biggest loser health kind of show where we sort of help gamers or game developers uh, learn how to take better care of themselves? I think balance is the toughest thing, whether it's health or whether it's just social life or anything. I mean, I myself, I know that I often get just, I just want to write code all day and I don't yeah. even want to go out. And, and even as a teenager, I wanted to just write code and, and make games and whatever. And God, I wish I was like you. <laughs> I wish I had that talent. I'm, that's the luckiest thing I, I have. I, I mean, I tell people it's the luckiest thing I have, that's ever happened to me in my life was just knowing what I wanted to do. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing, uh, you were a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to kind of the look back, yeah. pixelated, you know, this is kind of a Grand Theft Auto via 16-bit, 8-bit kind of era. Uh, but now we've, we've been deluge with so yeah. many of these games, and most recently the big one we've all talked about here on the show was Axiom Verge. Yeah. Uh, but you were way ahead of the curve on that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things actually that Mega Man 9 is one of the reasons why I finally pulled the trigger and went indie because I had been working on this game while I worked at other game studios for years and years. And every time I was just like, every week I was like, oh, I want to quit my job. I want to work on this full time. And I was just afraid, afraid to lose my salary, health benefits, security, all that stuff, had a mortgage. And uh, so it took me years uh, to finally pull the trigger. And what made me finally pull the trigger was probably Mega Man 9 because here I'd been working on this retro throwback thing and not many people were doing something like that. Right. Mega Man 9 came out and I actually thought like, oh no, they did it. Mm -hmm. And now no one's gonna care if I do it because they already did it. They did the retro throwback. And now I don't have that. <laughs> One shot deal. Yeah. And I, I, I missed the boat. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I mean, it, it sounds ridiculous now, but at the time that's how I felt. And so I was like, well, even though they did it first and they're gonna get all the credit, uh, I gotta at least try and, and whatever and and then by the time I was finally finishing my game it was just like oh my god there's just everywhere you look it's pixel games pixel games uh, and fortunately it was still able to stand out amongst them and you're one of the few guys that I actually have seen you go through I don't know if I knew you back when you, you I don't think I knew you when you were still working for traditional game developers you've been independent I think as long as I've been here in Vancouver uh, but you're one of the few people that I've seen in a, in a tangible way go from uh, working really hard to being kind of rich. You know, I, I don't know how much money you have, but you seem much more comfortable and at ease than you were before. And I've seen this kind of in little bits here and there. I came from the Game Developers Conference a few weeks ago and I saw, for example, the guys at Drinkbox in Toronto. They've had so much success with Guacamelee. But I really enjoy this, seeing yeah. these people who are doing what they love. They make something really cool. They make, they break a little new ground, and they get a, they get a paycheck, and it's yeah. a pretty healthy paycheck, you know. It's, it's great to see. Like, it, yeah. it just makes me so happy because, I do know a lot of people like Drinkbox. They're another company that was not an overnight success. They were like a decade in the making. So when it finally pays off, it's just it, they deserve everything. Do you feel like when you see people who work more traditional developer roles? Uh, doing stuff like, you know, they're just one part of the great machine that builds the AAA game. You know, whether they're Capcom Vancouver or whether we're talking about EA and all the people in Burnaby. Uh, 
do you feel like I don't know how they cannot look at you and have envy in the, in their eyes? It's it's really interesting because um, when I first did it, uh, even when I was talking about doing it, like I was. I was working on stuff on the side and then even talking to BizDev at the company I was working for, just like, hey, do you think we could, like, do you think this could go anywhere? And this was even before digital distribution took off. And so it was, everyone's kind of like, yeah, I don't know, probably not. Like, right. and, um, and, you know, fair enough, like, I don't hold any grudges. I mean, anyone with common sense at the time would say the same thing. Um, and now we're in a spot where it seems so attainable. Like, everyone can go indie that it's like a gold rush right now and everyone is, uh, is jumping on it. And so I can, it does seem that we have a massive indie community in Vancouver, and I think that is largely because people at AAA just think like, I can do it, why am I doing this day job, I can do it. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, some people just prefer apples to oranges, and I myself, I wanted to do AAA, and it was just eating away at me, and yeah. so I did do it for a while, and I realized that I don't like working on a tiny part of things. I wanna have more control. Um, but other people, I think, they just excel at that. They like building these great experiences, and they get really passionate. If they're working on a crowd simulation in like Assassin's Creed or whatever, yeah. they're just like loving that, and they just love the AI and having the behaviors going and stuff. And and so I guess the short of it is just there's something awesome to be found in everything. You're an awesome dude for sure. And I'm going to ask you in a minute what you think of my beard. We'll get to that. <laughs> but. Um, the uh, no, in fact, let's go to it now. What do you think of my beard? I'm jealous. I'm very jealous. You have a little bit of a beard today. I do. I have to compete with you <laughs> because I win. Yeah, you do win. I I, do. I can't really I I grow it to maybe number two, sometimes number three, and then it looks bad. So then I shave it down to number one and, and back and forth. And yeah. I never let it grow out, but somehow, for some reason, I like the stubble, even though my dad, when I visit him, he always tells me, he's like, you should shave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I get that from my mom all the time. She's in Florida, and whenever I talk to her, she said, oh, you're growing that beard. It's, that's terrible. Please, please stop growing it. And you know what? At my age, I feel like I'm going to redouble my efforts now. To hell with you, mom. I'm just going to grow this beard, and I'm going to grow a beard that I can be proud of. You know? Yes. Yeah, and, and that Brian will envy. No, you know, you know, doing what you did, obviously you're a guy with a tremendous amount of talent, and I will always respect you for that. And I don't want to sound negative saying this, but I do also at the same time, like, it's like you bought property and the part of town that gentrified almost a year later. Yeah. You were so ahead of everybody else. And I mean, I think that's true of anybody when they have success on any front. Oh, they have right. talent, but they also, you have to get a little lucky oh, yeah. along the way, Absolutely. too. And I so, agree. I mean, I, again, that's not a disparaging thing, but you're a supremely talented guy who also was at the right place at the right time and made, you made the right product. All those things yeah. to have to come together is extraordinary. See, I was working on it before digital distribution really came to be what it is. Yeah. And I would have released it if this digital distribution hadn't flourished the way it did. Right. And then I wouldn't have made, you know, nearly as much success and, and that's just how it would have. So timing was really on my side. And yeah. um, another thing too is I had the dream. I was like, it's easy to release a game on PC, but I want to release on consoles. And at the time that wasn't such an easy thing. Uh, and so because I went through that barrier and did it, it added all this legitimacy. And it's like, wow, people are turning heads. This indie game is on console. It's a big deal. And now it's so easy to get on consoles that you don't have that. And then as well, like for example, when I came out on Steam, there were the amount of games coming out each day was, was such that 
you were guaranteed front, play, front page big banner support on the Steam front page. And that is night and day. That's success versus flat on your face, your game's done. Right. And now we're at a spot where so many games are released every day that games get released on Steam every day that get no banner support. That's right. Um, and it's, I mean, that's the one thing I tell all devs is I'm just like, delay your game, don't be set on a date, talk to the platforms, ask them what date can offer you support. Because if you don't get that support, the promotion, then you're, why release your game at all? When it comes to, to indie games, and we'll move on from this in a minute, but when it comes to indie games, uh, it's not really about creating technology that no one's seen before. Uh, it, because, so you're not saying like, I gotta get to the market first to show everybody that I'm doing something that no one's ever seen before. Uh, it's less technology dependent, is what I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to inelegantly say. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Um, we just don't have the, there are, uh, like No Man's Sky is amazing. They're really yes. pushing things and going procedural and really being efficient. Um, and that's a tool a lot of indies have used to just be really efficient. Um, but at the same time, most of us, we just don't have the, the manpower to do something like yeah. a AAA. And, and so we just, it's, it's the Nintendo method. What Nintendo did is just go in this direction rather than trying to compete in that direction. All right, now let's go to a part of the show called Beard Talk Part Two, okay? <laughs> are you ready? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, uh, how many copies of Retro City do you think you've sold? I think it's about 450,000 now. Um, it was 400,000 la late last year, and then I've kind of just not been telling it as much. But uh, it's, it's pretty remarkable, exciting. My goal was 100,000. When you so. go back to the game now and you play it, are there still things that you think, oh, I should have done that differently, or I should fix that? Or do you, I mean, is a game kind of never done, even if you make it yourself? That was absolutely the case, and that's kind of my brutal perfectionism, which also destroyed my health, was that after it released, I just kept updating it, and people would say, oh, this part sucks, that part sucks, so I'd fix it, and then I'd update the game and just constantly scrambling, and, but when I finally did the DX version... <laughs> you feel like, oh, <laughs> screw them, I, it doesn't suck, it's awesome. Well, it, it took me a while, and, and yeah. that's why you see in, like, Indie Game the Movie or something, like, a lot of these things, you really take them to heart because you're an artist creating this expression and then if people don't like it, it can really hurt. And um, the only thing that made me get over that was when it did hit like the 100,000 unit mark or something like that and then 90% positive on Steam and stuff from customer reviews. And, and then you just think like, okay, hold on, hold on. These people are saying it sucks, but clearly 100,000 people or at least like 90,000 of those 100,000 people right. love it. And, and so uh, I was like, okay, I gotta be, but it wasn't until then, it really was, because it's so easy to just dwell on that one, even if you get 100 pieces of praise. What is the most indulgent thing you've purchased with your Retro City money? Hot tub? No, you know, I, uh, I bought a... What are you laughing at? <laughs> this, this is the thing, actually, is finally... Oh, so here's a funny story. You might not understand this, but I was, as a, you know, not being born in Canada, but I had this really crappy Canadian tire. What's wrong tire. with not being born in Canada? No, it's all good, but you might Jesus, not understand. The, the world is big. <laughs> the glory of Canadian tire and how they have cheap furniture. I've so, been to Canadian tire. I like it. So I had this really, really, really cheap Canadian tire desk that was like falling apart that uh, a friend of mine was very kind enough to get. He had a scrap piece of wood like this and a scrap piece of wood like that and he bolted one, bolted here, and extended my desk. So I had like this makeshift thing to extend my desk. I was using a chair that my sister found in her recycling room in her condo building. Okay. Uh, and that was like my setup. Horrible, probably ruined my back even yeah, more. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so once I finally released the game, I was like, I was stupid to be pinching pennies like that. And so I bought a really good hydraulic desk that goes up and down and then a oh, really yeah, good chair. I get one of those. Yeah. yeah. 
It's, I really recommend it. And some of my friends, they got the hand cranked one. I'm like, just spend the extra money. Think of the, the time you'll save every day. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. that's awesome. I also like to masturbate standing up. So it works great because then the, I'm just kidding. I have revealed too much about myself. You're not kidding. <laughs> I might, I might, I might be kidding. I might be kidding. Uh, so I'm glad you're taking better care of yourself. Your posture looks great today. Uh, and your back, is your back okay? Uh, you know, it's still. Do you want to wrestle? <laughs> no, that's. Uh, but uh, I'm ready if you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Still not 100%, but good enough that I'm able to work again on the next thing, and that's, that's what drives me. I, I took time off to, take care of my health, and it just drove me crazy. Like I need to be working. I'm a workaholic. Yeah, you were working 18 hours a day. Yeah. That's as much as Blake works usually, every day. 18 hours a day, and are you getting, you look much more well rested, like your color is back. I'm glad yeah. to see you looking so well. Oh, thank you, and you as well. I missed you so much when you were off the show. Oh. This guy, I'll be walking down the street listening right. to the podcast, and then I'll burst out laughing and look like an idiot, and everyone stares at me because Scott says something funny on the podcast. Mostly, I don't say anything funny, I just try to insult Vic a lot. That's usually <laughs> my one, directive when I sit down to do the show. Uh, but I'm very excited to have you here. We're gonna have a nice uh, chat today. Uh, we'll probably go back to Retro City Rampage a few times. Oh, I know that, about me. No, I know that there's lots of stories there. And, and this, the game, even though we've had a million, uh, you know, like Shovel Knight kind of experiences now, going back to Retro City, you just, you kind of feel like you're playing something that's been, ar that's been around for a while. Yeah. You know? Has some history behind it. What's going on, Blake? Well, can I just ask a quick question about yeah. Retro City? Somebody in the chat wants to know if you're ever going to release another wave of physical copies. Uh, they're probably not because I, I just, it's a really tough balance because you have the people that missed out and are disappointed and then you have the fans that bought it knowing it's a collector's item limited quantity. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to disappoint either one and so I feel like I should probably not unfortunately. And that's kind of why I went with Vita. I kind of wanted to do Vita anyways but it was like well, if I release Vita, it doesn't really piss off the people who got the limited PS4 one as much. So. That's it right there. Look what it says on the back. Carjack the 80s at 88 miles per hour. Do you write this stuff? Yeah. All right. Well, if you need a writer next time, I'm around. Uh, anyway, uh, we're going we're gonna to look at a trailer. We're going to look at a trailer. Are we ready to go to the trailer? Uh, Aaron, can you roll the trailer, please? This is the latest trailer from Batman. Is it Arkham? Arkham Knight is the game. Let's take a look at this.
So I feel like when we look at this trailer, and, and I'm excited for this game. You know me, I'm not excited for any game except for Retro City Rampage 2. <laughs> but I look at this thing and uh, it's at least 60% live action. Yeah. Or you're, you think it might be CG. Uh, and then it goes into the, the gameplay. Maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's 70%. Yeah. I don't know. Which is a, a strange kind of uh, way to promote, you, to promote your game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I personally, I much prefer gameplay trailers, but I can see it kind of... Well, you told me about a study. Yeah, there was a study that showed that gameplay trailers are way, way, way more effective in a GDC talk from a, a firm that specializes in analyzing this stuff. Um, yet, so many AAA <laughs> games, they're putting hundreds of millions into marketing and they focus on these cinematic trailers. The only real excuse for that would be maybe the game's not done, and so they get a third-party company to put together this cinematic trailer or something. But this is pretty late in the development yeah. cycle of uh, of Arkham Knight, and so I would guess that the game is done by now. Yeah. And they could do a game that is from start to finish, just gameplay. Mm -hmm. And you're right, though. I mean, I don't honestly. I, I don't sit down and watch trailers for anything anymore. I mean, I feel like. You know, we have to watch uh, TV series and movies and new games every day that it's just like I just consume them almost cold going in. I don't know that much about them. Yeah. And I feel like it's actually a strength because I don't know, I don't need a reason to buy or not buy right. Arkham Knight. I want to see if it's a good game or not, mm -hmm. you know? And so I can't really tell that from this. I mean, for sure, it looks like they spent a lot of money, uh, especially the, the, the live action stuff. For sure, it costs a lot of money to shoot, and I don't even know what they do in post-production. Uh, and I'm sure there's a little bits of CG in there, and then we get to the game itself. Uh, but of those two parts, of the live-action part and then the gameplay part, uh, which do you think would be more expensive? Because you, you know that yeah, making well, games is expensive. Yeah, I know expensive. that I was working on a AAA game, and years before the game was out, the announcement trailer, which showed no gameplay footage because it wasn't even done in-house, uh, cost a million, I heard. Um, and that was just CG, uh, didn't represent the final game at all, none of that. And it didn't even share assets. Our company didn't even give assets to the third party company to make the trailer they made their own apparently. Like who's going to be seduced by what we just saw though? Like it's, it's not gamers. Yeah, maybe not. I mean like the, the gamers aren't, I mean if you're a gamer and I've been a gamer for you know, 25 years at this point, uh, longer than that. Uh, you know, I, this isn't what's going to make me go buy the new Batman game. I mean, seeing the game itself and trying to, even if I don't really know how it works or what, you know, what the, you know, what the story is, uh, like that, that's what's interesting to me. Uh, and so learn like all this stuff about people. I mean, that's the theme of the trailer is it's people who are normal people, whether you're a fireman or whether you're on the subway and you see a guy getting, you know, uh, uh, mugged. Uh, it's it's normal people rising to the occasion and having their moment, but that doesn't. I I just want to know more about this game. Yeah. I want to know more about what Rocksteady has created here. Uh, I mean, I I I don't know. I, I don't I don't really learn anything that's going to make me go out and buy this game. I wonder if they're leveraging on the fact that we all have played the Arkham games before and we know what the core gameplay is. Well, or? maybe this also isn't really for people who are already fans. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's not for gamers at all. Maybe it's to reach, I mean, maybe that's the goal of all the marketing yeah. surrounding every AAA uh, video game is let, let's reach further and let's try to get the people who aren't interested, interested. It's remarkable when, when you think about a lot of these AAA game franchises like Crash Bandicoot or, or Tomb Raider or whatever, 
Um, and sometimes they'll come up with so many sequels that you don't even, you lose track. And then you find out, oh, that sequel that you didn't even really notice came out, sold like a million copies or yes. something like that, or, or even two and a half million or something, because there is this huge audience of people that just walk into the store, Walmart, Best Buy, wherever, and they just pick up games. And these established brands just sell them, sort of sell themselves, not entirely, but I mean, it's it, when you see this like, everyone seems to know that you talk to about this certain indie game and it did really well and it sold like 300,000 units or something. And then you meanwhile, there's this other game that there's this whole other market that's much, much bigger. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it does feel like right now, and it's been true for the last couple of years and maybe a little bit longer than that, there's been a void at the top where the AAA games would go. And we've had some big titles that have been pushed, like Uncharted 4 has been pushed. I mean, there's really not much to do on the PlayStation 4 at this point in its life cycle. I mean, you can still play Bloodborne as I do mm -hmm. every day, and I keep chipping away at that. But if you own those consoles, you're, you're looking for the AAA game that you're going to want to buy. And, and, you know, I also think the timing's a little off here. This is, you know, we're having a conversation today predominantly about video games. And we're certainly on the cusp of E3, and we're going to learn a lot about what the rest of the year is going to be like. But this is the time of year where we just learn about what the rest of the year is going to be like. Mm -hmm. We don't play, we don't experience in a first-person kind of way what the rest of the year is going to be like. This is a low time. This is a quiet time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it does seem that certain companies are realizing we got to keep the game in the oven and polish it rather than just chip it incomplete. Uh, and then you have, like, I don't know if it was the plan all along, but, for example, Mad Max is coming out with the Blu-ray release instead of when it hits theaters. Um, and I, I, it, it, and you do have these other games that maybe would have been launch titles that they're like, okay, we're going to keep working on it. Like, I think it was... Um, there are all these first-party Sony games or something that have been in development since before the PS4 launched, and they're still not out yet. And yes. maybe they'll be revealed at E3. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I know Vic has been doing uh, some pre-E3 investigating. We'll see if he has a... See if we'll learn some things next week. We'll share them with you uh, as they become... Uh, as the embargoes and all the, the, the restrictions lift. Uh, but Batman Arkham Knight... Are you into it? What do you yeah. give this trailer on a scale of one to ten? I'm go you're going to score something for us. Uh, on quality and presentation, it's a ten. On exciting me to play the game, it's a one. Okay, <laughs> that's very interesting. Blake, what would you give it? I know you're over there typing. Uh, the trailer? Yeah. I give it a solid uh, 7.5 out of 10. 7.5 out of 10. Yes. And what, what was the second score you gave you? I, guess, uh, I mean, it doesn't really excite me to play the game, so. But it's an exciting trailer. It's an exciting trailer. It's an exciting trailer, but it's hard to know exactly what it's selling. Because yeah. it doesn't really seem to be selling the game, like the game itself. It's selling the kind of Batman experience. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm going to make my scores the same exact scores yeah. as yours. I like <laughs> your scoring system there. That was well done, sir. All right, time for, to time for us to take a break now. And I'm going to tell you guys a story about what I did today. This is a little controversial. I'll do it quickly in case people aren't enjoying it. But there's a sandwich shop where I go to buy my sandwiches when I come to work. And uh, there's a girl in there who I've had a crush on for a long time. And so today I just thought, you know, what am I waiting for? Am I just going to walk in here every day and walk out and never talk to her and just feel like a dope for the rest of the day? And I thought, you know, no, no, it's Friday. Everybody feels good. It's the weekend. I'm going to say something. So I kept waiting for my sandwich to come out, and I kept watching her move around this place. And man, I really, 
I really, I have feelings for her. You know, I'm, I'm attracted to her. I'm not going to lie to you people. So there was this moment when my sandwich came out and she was by herself. And I just thought, well, I, now I got to do something. And I, I girded my loins. I steeled my courage. What are you laughing at? This is a... I steeled my courage and I walked up to her and I said, you know, I've had a crush on you for so long. And I've lived in a lot of different cities. I, I think you're, you're, you're one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. And my heart is pounding so hard, even as I tell the story. She turned to me and she said, thank you so much. You really made my day. That was really great. Thank you for that. And then I said, you know, have a nice weekend. And then I walked out and I had my food and I walked to the office and I just thought, wow, I feel really good. Why was I just sitting on this thing for so long and not doing anything about it? If you have these feelings, people, this is what I'm trying to tell you. If you have these feelings and you feel that way for somebody in your life, you just let them know. Let them know in a direct and honest way. And I didn't do it. I mean, I happen to be attractive, and I have a, but I have a beard now, and I don't know. Blake, why are you laughing? <laughs> and I have a beard now, and I don't know how women feel about that, but... I feel like I had my moment and I took my shot and you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel a little bit better about myself all weekend long. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I agree. What do you think about my story, Brian? No, I feel so good for you. I want to see you like live happily ever after. Fuck, man. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm 45 years old right? and I talked to a girl today and I'm excited by it. You know, <laughs> like, that's a thing. I, this is the stuff that still excites me. My bar is so low. I mean, I, you know, I, and I think that's maybe that's the secret to, uh, to my life. It's just keeping that bar low, well, surprising myself. It's easy to surprise yourself when the bar's so low. Well, being, being able to be so excited like that in everything, it's why I like, I'm so envious of Vic. He gets so excited about everything. I know. It must be it's, fun to be him. I, yeah. I, I imagine I it's like an amusement park in his head. Just like there's a Ferris wheel going and there's a, some sort of ride with a slide on it. And it's, you know, it's fun. And there's free candy, cotton candy. <laughs> they actually have light up cotton candy at the Richmond Night Market, apparently. Have, yeah. You haven't been, though. I, I have the. Uh, you said apparently, so that's. Well, I haven't good. had the cotton candy, but uh, we, you also get these light up ice cubes. Sorry, that's my phone. Just leave it there. Just leave it there. Yeah, light up ice cubes, it's too. It's probably that girl. <laughs> probably not. Like, I they have light so. up ice cubes. Yeah. I, she didn't, I didn't give her my number. I didn't do anything creepy. I just, I just said, you know, have a great weekend. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is my story. We'll get back to the light of ice cubes, but this is my story of what happened. But it was probably more like, you're really pretty. I'll tell you, actually. Um, the first time I was speaking at GDC, I, uh, it was like the biggest deal I had been. For years and years, I was just like, my goal is to speak at GDC. And when I finally did that, and they were like, OK, it's your turn. Start. And I'm like feeling like I'm shaking yeah. and it's hard. And then, you know, after a couple minutes, I, uh, I kind of forgot I was nervous and yeah. just everything went smoothly. However, when I watched the talk later. However, <laughs> there's always a however. When I watched the talk later, I couldn't tell that I was shaking at all. Yeah. Like when I was doing it, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm shaking. Sorry. It's just my doctor. It's turned off. It's just, I don't know what. The, I'm sorry, guys. I know, buddy. I got all kinds of problems. Oh, oh, oh. That's all right. It's Apple. That's a sturdy phone. <laughs> it's a sturdy phone. Yeah. 
So you couldn't see that you were nervous, no. and you feel like did that make that, that had to make you feel better? You yeah, think back to sure. the people sitting in the audience saying, "Oh, uh, Brian looked pretty cool up there." Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great. So I, mean, I think that you probably weren't shaking really. Uh, I really like you. <laughs> think of how awesome it's going to be next time you go in for a sandwich. Now you've already broken I'll the ice. I'll never go there again. <laughs> Like that's it. I can't go back there. How am I gonna go in there? No, I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, but uh, Blake, do we have any questions? Uh, yeah, somebody had a question for Brian. Okay, one. Brian's um, here. Somebody wants to know if for your next game, are you going to use a existing engine or start he, he from can't scratch? Answer that. He can't answer that. I mean, yeah, I'm Brian, not announcing Brian, don't too say much. anything. Don't. Okay, it's a mystery. Blake, if you ask <laughs> no, another it's question, it's just a like technical that. question. No, he can't. I mean, he's, he's he hasn't announced anything about his new game. There's nothing, there's nothing. Are you friends with Phil Fish? Um, That's a question we, we should ask. Yeah, we, uh, we've met several times, uh, but we're not in constant communication or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's such a big industry that uh, when I'd go to conferences or whatever, it used to be like, oh man, touch base with everyone. And now there are so many friends I have from Vancouver even that I um, don't even bump into when I'm at these conferences, which is crazy. Right, right, yeah. right. Uh, it is kind of weird because when I was at the Game Developers Conference, which was a great conference, by the way, everybody, uh, if um, I, I rode on a plane that was filled with developers on the way there, I never saw any of those people in San Francisco itself. Yeah. Like, you, you see those people and it's just, it's just an isolated moment. And you'll probably never see them again over the course of the yeah. three or four days, however long it is. E3 is the same way. Are you going to go yeah. to E3? Probably not. You know, I, I have a ticket just in case, but uh, the past couple of years I've just avoided it because it's so hard to get a hotel, even when you're trying to book in advance. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, well, if I don't really, really need to go, I don't want to worry about the stress of that. Yeah, I think we book our hotels almost like as soon as the hotel dates come, yeah. we're the first ones there. Like, and you kind of have to do it or else you're screwed. You have, you'll end up staying far away. Yeah, the problem with PAX is that they reserve almost all the rooms in the vicinity. And so you have like 30 minutes to get a room for PAX oh, if you really? want one nearby. Okay. So all the conventions are this yeah, way. Yeah, it's, it's a bummer that you can't just like book it a year in advance. Okay, so you can't tell us obviously anything about the gameplay engine. Uh, but, uh, I mean, you probably learned a lot from Retro City Rampage that you can, this is like your, 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 your sort of the, the next evolution of... Yeah, uh, I, I did learn a lot. And that's, and that's the thing. It's like, it's almost a miracle that it even came out and, and did as well as it did because as much as, like, you're, I'm, I'm juggling, like, writing a story, designing missions, yeah. building an engine, doing some art, and everything. And, and it's impossible to nail everything and knock everything out of the park. But then you do get motivated next time. You're like, man, I'm going to do a more cohesive story. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And, and uh, so it, it is, I, I am really eager to apply yeah. what I've learned. And it's one of those things, too, where I just... When it came from pro going from programming to design, from design to writing or whatever, it's like I'm the type of person where it's just like, okay, I'm gonna just like read books and watch videos and, and learn how, like tips and tricks to this, because you're not gonna be the expert that just writes day in and day out, but you can right. at least try and learn the tips and tricks. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, Blake, uh, I think we're ready for another question. Okay, somebody wants to know, what do you think of all the people who sell copies of Retro City Rampage on eBay? It, it is really disappointing, um, but, it's, it, it is that tough balance. Like I said, if I were to say print a whole bunch more now, 
all those people that are legitimate fans that are proud of not only they have this thing, but it's worth all this money, and then I kill the value, they're going to be disappointed too. Right. And uh, so it's just, it's, it's a slippery slope. I, I was the first to do this retail thing as an indie, as far as I know, and no one knew how well it was going to do. Um, other developers I talked to, other publishers, um, Sony, Fangamer, none, no one knew. Yes. And when I was trying to estimate how many should I print, should it be 2,000, 3,000, whatever, and then some people were like, maybe 1,000? I don't know if you'll sell all those. And, and uh, so in hindsight, it seems obvious, uh, yeah. but at the time, it really wasn't. Yeah. So for the Vita, I did do a better job where I was like, okay, number one, I'm going to print more. Number two, I'm going to hold some back so that after pre-order ship, we release a few more. And so if you missed, didn't get the memo then, you can get it now. And that helped a lot. And, and judging by the fact that the Vita one does go for much less on eBay, I feel like I was able to distribute it better and, and reach more people. Uh, I got an idea for a game. It's about a guy who goes to a lunch place. And there's a girl in there he wants to talk to. It's called Leisure Suit Larry. Oh yeah, they already made that game. I'm sorry. Do you get a lot of uh, fan stuff from people? Do you get people who write long letters? Is this like Brian? I can't believe I'm actually talking to you. I, like I, I feel that way sitting here. Well, I feel I can't believe I'm talking to you. Oh, I I'll, I'll tell you. Okay, in E3 2006, yes. E3 2006, I saw Vic and Tommy interviewing a Halo, some guy from Halo, who was like the biggest, you know, these two big shots interviewing this other big shot. And I was like, oh man. Vic like, and Tommy are big shots. And yeah, and, and I was like, man, <laughs> one day I'm gonna be, I'm gonna have a game on EP. One day. And that was 2006, and guess what? Yeah. One of five million of your dreams have come true. Not only have you gotten a game on EP, it's been on EP multiple times, yeah. partly because we love you. Uh, and partly because you're such a nice guy and an articulate guy, and you're also easy to have on the show. You're very friendly to the camera. Uh, but uh, yeah, all of your dreams have come true. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I constantly set new goals for myself and stuff, and now it's like one of my goals is I don't want to be a one-hit wonder. I'm almost embarrassed. It's like Retro City, Retro City. I'm like embarrassed because I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to have another game. I'm going to have another game, and then right. you won't have to just know me from one thing. Well, you know, the second game or the second movie, you know, this like uh, the guy who um, made District 9. Is it Duncan Jones? Is that it? Uh, District 9 was made, made by Neil Blomkamp. Duncan Jones is the, is the moon source oh, code the moon guy. guy. Okay, we're talking about Neil Blomkamp. Thank you, Blake. Uh, but then he made this follow-up movie, and I just I remember, I don't remember what it was called, Elysium? No, that was the third one. District 9, Elysium, and then the new one is third one that just came out is Chappie. But the, the sophomore slump is a real thing, though. Yeah. Here's, here's my second feature film, and, you know, I always go into it thinking, I hope it turns out okay, but I'm not going to be surprised if it doesn't. Yeah, um, it's... I, I can tell I'm you. Not saying it's no, 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 no. Exactly. I, I can tell you so many stories. Like for example, with with RCR, a lot of inspiration went into the missions, where some were just like send ups to things I loved as a childhood. Other things were like commentary on things that really grind my gears, and uh, <laughs> and so when I, I by the end of that game, I had just pushed myself so hard, so many things were getting on my nerves, I was just like, everything was just the last straw, I was so frustrated, and I was just like jotting down all these ideas for a new game that's just like, man, this whole game is just going to be like Penn and Teller's BS show, where it's just like digging into everything that I hate, and then some time passed, I calmed down, and I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want to make that game. <laughs> 
So you have all these ideas and stuff. Uh, and then the other thing, too, is I had all these ideas for other open world games I wanted to make. And they all seem like such great ideas. And then a few months later, when I go back to them, I'm like, no, those really feel like 0.5s. They don't really feel like the next big thing. Uh, and so it really does take a while to figure out exactly what the next thing you're going to do. And then there's also the juggle where I started working on things that are completely different from RCR. And then I've also prototyped things that are similar to it. And it's that thing. It's like, I kind of want to do something completely different. But if I do something similar, then I can really do a really good job now this time. Um, and so, and the other thing is too, I've kind of, even if I do a game like RCR, I probably won't call it RCR2. Like my whole, and maybe this is just I need to get the confidence there, but it's like, I think the expectations for an actual sequel are such that I'd rather do a spin-off. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I think um, when, as a fan of stuff, you often get really into something on the first game or the first season of the show or whatever, and you love it. And then in your mind, after watching it, you're like, I know where I want the show to go. And if the next season or the next game doesn't go in that direction, then it's a disappointment because mm -hmm. you start to write the rest yourself. Uh, I, have you always been that way? I mean, no, it's more recently, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, <laughs> I think that's so. the straight. I think that's maybe one of the um, kind of side effects of of being uh, having the ambition to make your own stuff like a video game. I think you start feeling like you want to have that control over everything because you controlled Retro City Rampage or RCR, as you call it. Uh, and now you want to control all these other things, and maybe, maybe you don't watch as much TV as you used I to. I'm such a backseat driver now, yeah. and at first it was just for other games, and now it's for TV and movies, yeah. and it's it's very tough. And when I just have a game or something where I can just escape into it like that, it 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 really feels good. I feel like as doing what Vic and I do and Marissa does, I feel like I kind of sit there like a dope, and I just want to be surprised, and I want the show. And I want to be as dumb as possible because I want the movie or the TV show to be smarter than I am. And that's where I get pleasure, but they so rarely are smarter than I am. <laughs> like, I want them to make better choices than I ever could have even thought of making. Yeah. And, you know, even you know, now we're talking about Game of Thrones and where it's, I think it's week seven now. Like, I, I don't know if Game of Thrones shocked the hell out of me, especially that first season. And now I'm just, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I, maybe I'm a step or two ahead of it every week, you know? Well, that's something I really, I love postmortems. And so with video game postmortems, they have often at GDC or something. Have you done an RCR postmortem? I, I guess here and there. I haven't done a We're full formal one. Yeah, yeah, yeah for of. sure. Um, but I just love it. And, and I wish that there was more of that. Like, I would really love to see postmortems on certain TV shows. There, there have been really awesome things where some people have been really... I know Sam Raimi was open about discussing some of the things that went wrong with Spider-Man 3. Mm -hmm. uh, Joel Schumacher was uh, open about what went wrong with Batman and Robin and so on. And it's, and it's not like I want to, them to throw themselves under the bus, but it really is fascinating just to hear why things went the way they right. did. And, and you can empathize with them a lot more. Like, I remember I was really disappointed with Batman and Robin, and then when I heard him openly talk about what went wrong, I really empathized with him more. And I was like, oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I mean, the, the, they're just human beings, and they're at the mercy of lots of forces that yeah. we don't always aren't aware of, and don't. And if we are aware of them, we don't necessarily understand them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Blake, what you got? Any more questions? Uh, yeah, I swear to God, I didn't plant this person in the chat. Okay. They want to know what do we think of the new Destiny 
DLC, House of Wolves. I think you planted this per this person in the chat. Know, Listen, are you a Destiny player? No, Brian? but you're the expert here, uh, and in fact, yes, I am a Destiny. Expert. Will you come on the show today. for five minutes? And rant uh, about this? No, Can you just pull over by me? It's not going to take five minutes. Um, okay, here's Blake for two minutes, and new, Blake's uh, going to talk about the DLC. This is the latest downloadable content yeah, it just for came out on Tuesday. It okay, and Blake 20, bought. It cost twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. So it is. Buy three biggest, copies of RCR for twenty dollars. It is the biggest ripoff I've right. ever spent in gaming. I love this. Now tell the, me why. The new the, the last DLC was not very good. This is even worse because all there's five new story missions. Okay. All five of them, you're just running through areas that you've already been in the main campaign. Okay. There are no new enemies, except there are a few that have, like, a new color scheme. It kind of reminded me of uh, when you, in the early 90s, they'd re-release action figures. Mm, yeah. But, like, with a different shade of paint. Mm -hmm. it, that's exactly what it was. Um, like, there's literally one of the new missions that costs, you know, $5, because there's only four or five of them, is just, is just shooting bad guys in an, in an older area of the game and they're not even the new bad guys like it's it's a joke like i was i was literally insulted playing it there's one what did you there's, say? there's two levels that have new areas and they're just extensions of existing areas did you did you scream out loud no i i, I keep it all inside but, so were you uh, muttering under your breath because you seem like I a guess mutterer there's some new sing, there's some new multiplayer stuff some new pvp stuff and new armor but it's like this costs 20 dollars. who do you play with uh, John, a guy who used to work here. John, did he buy this DLC? He did, yes. We bought the season pass he's, ages he's ago. He's pissed too. Yeah, we're both okay. pissed. We, we, I mean, we finished it in 20 minutes. It's like, for $20, you could have bought Retro City Rampage or, you know. Is it, that what it's it, cost now? $20? Oh, it's, or even less. Yeah, even less, yeah. Like, there, there are so many games. You can buy really good games for $20. So the and DLC for Destiny, yes. the latest bit of Do DLC. Do not buy it. And I would imagine there's a lot of people like you who have Season yes. Pass. Is this the last of it? This is the last thing in the Season Pass. They're, they're, maybe, they're supposed to be working on more DLC, but I don't know if it's What'd included in the Season Pass. What you pay for the Season, season pass? pass? The Season Pass costs, cost $40. Okay. You said that already. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, it was it was the biggest. I, I'm so pissed off at this. The whole, right not just this package, but this, but all of it. The yeah, whole. Yeah, it, it's completely turned me off. This game. This game has just been yeah. one rip off after another, and it's sad too because the mechanics of the game are really solid. Like yeah. the shooting mechanics and the the online uh, connectivity is all really smooth. The interface is really elegant, but like they built the good skeleton of it skeleton of a game but they didn't put any meat on it mm -hmm. there's nothing there, like you need the, meat the, on your skeleton the level design is really lazy mm -hmm. really repetitive it's just running forward running towards the little diamond on the screen that peter dinklage tells you to go to and just shoot at whatever monster shows up and everyone's a bullet sponge it, okay. they if, if they like i'm done with this news. game i'm done with this game unless destiny 2 unless destiny 2 has like it, like completely reinvents it and has like a bunch of new stuff then I'm not even going to bother playing you're not really on the thing like you just see your arm over there it's oh, kind of no. scary okay well I guess I, I shouldn't have leaned back uh, <laughs> uh, people could hear me that's the most your that's arm looks great part. today on the show okay uh, um, but the uh, I'm sorry this happened Blake all of us have been uh, burned before yes, I've been very uh, burned by this game I feel uh, okay. very burned you and you put a lot of time into this game there you, you come on the screen now yeah. uh, and you put a lot of time into this game yeah, a lot, yeah. a lot of time. I, I feel very more than a hundred hours. Probably about a hundred hours. Yeah, less I mean, than five hundred. Less than five hundred. Yeah, I, I just like I think of like I could have you know built a playground for children or something in that time. I could have, you know, been going to the gym and working on my abs. Could've I could have a loved one. Yeah, I could have you could've know met a girl in a cafe. Yeah, I could, who how works many there. how many ditches could I have dug 
in that amount of time? How many books could I have read? Would you have had more fun digging ditches? Probably, yeah. Oh, come on. You sound like me. Jesus. This is, I right. feel so burned by this All game right. right now. So, so that's uh, my destiny right I'm now. assuming if you're watching the show today, if you have feelings about the season pass for Destiny, and if uh, they are in line with Blake's feelings, or if you disagree with them completely, we'll chat us up and, and Blake will respond to you. Well, not all of them, just we'll take a couple of them maybe. But thank you for sharing, Blake. Is there anything else you'd like to complain about before you go? No, that's it. I'll, I'll exit. Okay. So anyway, uh, I don't know if it's the number one movie in America right now, but Mad Max seems to have taken everyone, critics included, by storm. Vic and Marissa have seen it. I haven't seen it. But I think I'm going to go after we're done here in the basement today. Have you seen it yet? I haven't yet. But When's I the last time you went to a movie? Uh, I, I go to quite a Don't few. Don't you lie to me. No, I, what was the last one I saw? Um, I can't remember. I went through a whole string where I saw Dumb and Dumber 2, Horrible Bosses oh, 2, geez. and a whole bunch of them. I, well, Dumb and Dumber 2, I thought that the first part was really, really, really slow, and then it, and then it got, had funny moments. The second half. Yeah. Okay. But uh, now sometimes I go through strings and then, but lately I haven't been in the past uh, month or two. Uh, I can't remember. I did go to a movie last month. Can't remember what it was. Must have not been good. <laughs> you can't hear. <laughs> you can remember Dumb and Number Two, but you can't remember what movie it was you saw last month. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go see Mad Max. I'm mostly. I don't necessarily want to see Mad Max. I mostly just want the popcorn. If I even get within like a mile. We don't, we don't use miles up here in Canada. We use, what is it, kilometer? Kilometer is the one? Yes. Okay. We, we, if I get within Farmers one... Farmers still use miles, though. Oh, do they? I must be a farmer. Uh, but if I get within one kilometer of a movie theater, I can smell the popcorn. And, man, that is a good smell. I, man, that smells, that's so exotic, and it's spicy, and I just want it. And I'm going to go to grouse tomorrow. I've been doing grouse. Are you ready to come with us? Uh, I've gone before a few times. I go with the guys from uh, from Relic. Well, yeah. there's only one guy from Relic who's obsessed with it, and Jason. Yeah. Uh, but you're always welcome to come with us. That'd be great. We go too early probably for you. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't go to bed until you're a night owl. Well, it, I go through my ups and downs where I'm going to bed at normal times, and then lately it's just you get in the zone writing code or something, and then you stay up later. And I don't really regret it too much because it was productive. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're, are you still being productive 18 hours a day? No, I, I'm balancing it better, yeah. Yeah. Um, Blake, did anybody respond to your destiny? Uh, yeah, they all kind of agree with me, I guess. Okay. Um, I have okay. some questions, though. Yeah, okay, we're ready. Okay, what does Brian think of Steam Early Access? Uh, I, That's a good I question. Think I think it's a great thing, but it's it's been abused by some people, and then that kind of spoils it for everyone. How is it abused, though? There are games that overpromise and underdeliver and um, and then it just kind of makes people really angry and really disappointed uh, and then they don't trust other games because I do have a lot of friends who have done early access games and and there is the constant debate of is, is it do you because you, you lose a lot of sales because people deliberately do not buy it because it's early access and then will they miss it when it finally comes out like mm -hmm. completely um, and I don't know. It, I don't know if it's a, it's a minority that seems like a vocal majority or not. But there are a lot of people that anytime you announce an early access game, uh, and it, it's gotten worse where they're just like screw early access. Yes. But it has a lot of potential because if it's if you're creating the right game for it, I think it can actually be a huge asset, because 
playtesting is very, very, very valuable. Yes. And, um, and one of the things I learned with RCR was it was getting all these awards. I had all these people playtesting it to make sure that all the missions were as good as possible and as smooth as possible. At the very end, I felt like, oh, there's like a gap here. I should add a mission here. It's too easy here. I should add a hard mission here, and so mm -hmm. on. And I added those at the last minute without getting them play tested. And then, of course, those were the ones that were the stuck out like a sore thumb and, and right. people. And, and that was a big learning experience for me for the yeah. future. And if you have an early access game, all the way till the finish line, you can have people giving you the feedback and helping you mold the game into the best possible experience. And so that is a huge, huge value. Um, but at the same time, a lot of games don't necessarily lend themselves to early access. And so you want to have people who are going back to your game constantly engaged, and they're going to still be playing it when it finally launches, as opposed to play it when it's incomplete and then forget about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's why you often have games that are procedural games that are successful, because it's something new every time, mm -hmm. like the Spelunky Minecraft type experience. Yes, yeah. right, right, right. Uh, I believe that was a pretty comprehensive answer yeah. to the early access. Very, Thank very you. good. Yeah. Okay. Um, and here's another question from the chat. Sega recently pulled all of their shittier mobile games from the App Store, like the ones that had lower scores, mm -hmm. and there were a lot of them, and in order to raise the average score among oh, their games so. that they're off, which is something they did uh, a few years ago. They did this with console games, the ones that had a lower Metacritic score. Uh, Metacritic score where they sort of stopped selling them. So what do you think of that? It's Because it, Sega has released so many bad games, they have to stop selling the bad ones so that the average score of all their, ga their games go up. And so somebody wants to know what you think of that. Uh, just Brian specifically? Brian, go, go ahead. ahead. I don't like it, of course. Yeah, I mean, in the, in the, in the digital age, it's, it's disappointing because maybe there are some people that actually do like those games and, and then they can't get them anymore. There was the whole Silent Hill PT thing that people are really bummed that it's gone now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just it, it feels uh, disingenuous. I just yeah. I just wish people were, they were more open and honest. I, I don't know why it's so hard for Sega to make good games right now, though. Like, well, why hasn't there been a good uh, Sonic game in how many years, right? Like forty years. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I don't even know why they bothered. I, I, I was trying. five years old when the last good Sonic game. Yeah, came but why out. do they keep trying to? I mean, this is a conversation Vic and I have on the show every week. It's just like Sonic had his moment. We don't need to resurrect him. Let's stop trying. Every time you try, you diminish the original, which was great. Just leave it alone and move on and make some new stuff. It's just like the Star Wars shit that's going on now. I'm sorry, Vic's not here. I have to remember that. It's just, Star Wars had its moment in 1977, hugely relevant. I will never forget it. Never. All those films I've seen so many times, I don't think we need more Star Wars. Just leave it alone. Leave that universe alone. That's fine. That universe is done. Let's find a new universe. Brian, are you excited for the next Star Wars? Uh, you can disagree sure. with me. You can disagree. I, but I probably have not seen uh, the prequels. I have oh, not Jesus. seen them. You haven't seen the prequels? I haven't seen them. Like, not I, even the Phantom Menace? Nope. Oh, God. I, I just heard they were bad, and I never I saw them. I have a lot of respect beyond for that. Yeah. you. What'd you say? I, I, res I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah, me Marissa too. Hasn't I wish seen I had the prequels seen either. Marissa hasn't seen anything. I, I've seen them, but they don't exist for Marissa me. Marissa hasn't seen the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Really? Yeah, don't tell her I said that. She doesn't want anyone to know. She's going to be so mad. I know someone's going to tell her. I think Sonic, the Sonic brand is so, so, so damaged now that even if they came out with an amazing, amazing game that like Nintendo did in secret and just like Miyamoto was on hands on and it was just skinned with Sonic and it was 
guaranteed to be, if it wasn't branded Sonic, it would be guaranteed to get 10 out of 10s. If it came out as Sonic, people would hate it. The Sonic love is attached to that moment in time. It's attached to Mario. It was, he was kind of an antithetical Mario. He moved fast. He was in this crazy circular world. There were not coins, but they were uh, golden rings. dancing rings. Just like, I don't know, I don't, like, that was a moment that existed here. Bioware tried to make an RPG about Sonic, and I, like, if, like nothing has worked. None, none of it's worked. The biggest problem with Sonic is that he's, he's, the concept of Sonic works in 2D, but it doesn't really work in 3D. So yeah. he has, his, he, him as a character has not survived the transition the way that Mario has. Honestly, like, even, you know, like, no one wants to see Cher anymore. She goes away. <laughs> Like, just let Sonic these guys the go away. He's the share of video games. That's right. Okay, God, um, I'm getting well, so angry now. Somebody else in the chat wants to know what we think of Doom 4. Sure, let, make a new Doom On 4. On this topic yeah. of games being real. Well, well, I'm, I, I'm okay uh, with that. I, I watched the teaser trailer, which was a monster and a logo. So <laughs> I don't have an opinion yet. <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Doom fan, and I felt like it had such a junky, throwaway kind of quality to it. And the last... The last one, I think, I guess, was Doom 3. Because <laughs> uh, if you subtract one from four, you get three. Uh, Doom 3, uh, I played it, and I finished it, and I played, you know, the, the DLC that came out for it, and I don't know, like, I didn't hate it, but I didn't, it certainly wasn't the Doom that I fell in love with in the 90s, you I've know? I've heard that the rumors are that the new one is going to be a throwback more to the original Dooms than 3. Uh, and and that's you know that's always a tough balance. I love what Machine Games yeah, is doing yeah, with it, Wolfenstein yeah, right now. We got a good Wolfenstein game. Like right, it, so. I mean, it, it's it's not great, and it's just kind of more of the same of the stuff we've had before. But I kind of like that, and I like the fact that it's this kind of under ambitious. It's not doing what Destiny wanted to do, which was we're making ten games and they're all going to come out every two years, and there's going to be this and there's exotic capes to download. It's just a shooter that doesn't even have an online mode. I love that. I love that there's no multiplayer in it. And I, I, if Doom did that, if it said, listen, we're just gonna do this one thing, but we're gonna do it as well as we possibly can, then I'm a fan. I'm just a little apprehensive because John Carmack isn't at id anymore. I don't know. I don't even know but, what he did for three. Yeah, I mean, because it's a good point about Wolfenstein because obviously he wasn't involved in Wolfenstein and it was still a great game, so. Yeah, I think we have to wait and see about Doom 4. It's too it's early. To see. I guess there are still original people at id, but um, on, on so many levels, you think about all these games that are coming now that are, are new, that are based on old franchises. In so many ways, you could actually look at them almost like fan fiction. Like, mm. like they're the next generation of people that grew up as kids playing something, and now they're creating the new thing. And it's an official title in the franchise, but it's on so many levels, it is kind of just like a fan's take on it yeah yeah and, and, and i i don't know i think that i think that's absolutely right i think that's right i really like that fan fiction that's a good yeah that's a good way of looking good at metaphor it. The, new, the new star wars is kind of the same thing oh, yeah, yeah but I, this big fan just leave star wars alone so we had a nice star wars it was great i don't want any fan fiction about star wars it's got adam driver in it. it's the guy from girls so we're getting near the end. I know. So wrapping up, what are we watching and playing this weekend? Oh, we really are. We just have a couple minutes left. Watching and playing this weekend. Are you, are you and uh, Victoria going to watch anything this weekend? Let's see, I'm, I'm not sure. Are you uh, doing okay in your relationship? Oh, it's great. Yeah. We should do a relationship uh, show. <laughs> we you should. And me. Yeah, like, you you got to get Coffee Girl. Huh? Get Coffee Girl on here. Who's the Coffee Girl? 
Or the, the sandwich girl. The sandwich girl. I'm never going to hear from her. Jesus. I, no, most... you need me to be the wingman. It's, yeah? It's like, hey, my friend Scott, he wants you to come over here. Wow. I, Marissa was supposed to do that. She's not very good at it. Uh, but the, uh, so you and Victoria, you've been together for a while now. Yeah. Are you guys going to watch anything together this weekend? Well, we were watching The Flash and Arrow every week, and now uh, those are done for the season, so we've got to find new stuff. You're lost right now. <laughs> uh, and you're not watching Game of Thrones. I know she's interested no. in Game yeah. of Thrones. Okay. So Victoria's watching Game of Thrones on Sunday. And you. Silicon Valley. So good. Are you watching it? Uh, it I'm into it now, man. Season I, one, I thought, was like a bit hit and miss. And then by the end, it was like, oh, man, this is like see, amazing. We agree, man. That's exactly how I felt about it. I really didn't like that uh, Richard, I don't know what his name is. He's, the, he's from Canada, the guy who plays the, the, the guy who who. Run, who He's the Pied Piper guy. Mm -hmm. He was a too too much too Zuckerberg like, yeah. you know. And I felt like stop trying to aim for the dartboard. Just do your own thing. And so when they go off on their own and stop trying to sort of fall in line or mimic some of the tropes that are pop popular in Silicon yeah. Valley, then I'm really interested yeah. in the show. And it, like I'm enjoying this season so much. Yeah. So, season two, Silicon Valley is great so Every far. Every single episode has just been knocking it out of the park, exceeding my expectations, and yeah. just like one after the other. And what is it, episode five? Episode. Uh, Six, I think, was the last one, I think, maybe. So they're they're really oh, moving forward. I'm and glad you enjoy that show. You have yeah. excellent taste. Well, there's another one which I recommend called Episodes. And it's Matt LeBlanc. It's a it's, yeah, it's, 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 I've seen that. it's just like Silicon Valley, but for Hollywood. And they take this British show and then just butcher it in the States doing an American version. Uh, and the funny thing is, is that one of the new guys, the their new uh, investor in this season, he actually plays a studio head in episode season four, I think it was. So uh, you can't really game because you're coding all the time? And is it too, no, seriously, like it's too distracting or does it? I, I do play some, but it, indeed, I, I do have just that, that voice on my shoulder, just like stop playing. It, it sounds terrible. Like it's like, stop playing games, go make them. But you do need to play games so that you're more in touch yeah, with You told me your making. Shovel Knight story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you try to get into these things. Yeah, sometimes. like Shovel Knight's an amazing game and everything. Yes. But even that, I can see like, I can see the patterns. I can see the seams of like, they did this so well, and this was the pattern they used to do it really well. And it's like, so even if they're doing it well, I can still see. It's like Blake's the metaphor seams. earlier. It's the skeleton with meat on it. Yeah. Only you can see the skeleton. Well, only this game actually has meat. Destiny doesn't have any meat. Oh, uh, Activision and Bungie. Yeah, that's right, snap. Bungie. I called you out. <laughs> that's right. Uh, this weekend for me, Bloodborne, of course. And uh, I don't know. I want to go back to the Mad Men. I feel like I got to watch the end of it. Did you watch the end of it? Okay. Anybody watch the David Letterman thing this week? Anybody? Okay, no. you guys are too young. I, I like Leno. I like. Oh uh, my God! But Letterman, no. Well, it's because you're from New York. Over here? You're East Coast. That's why. No, I'm, Letterman's <laughs> my man. Jesus, he's so bitter and cynical and, and honest with everybody and everything. Like he's my guy. Well, Jimmy Kimmel's kind of. Oh, he's, not he's so the, Jesus. He's, he's the troll. Kimmel. <laughs> he's the what? troll. We were doing so well together. <laughs> Conan and Letterman, those are the two guys. Conan's funny. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, Brian. No, I've I really loved having you here. Yeah. Uh, so no gaming this weekend. Uh, maybe watching something with Victoria. Oh, I might play GTA it. 5. Uh, Bloodborne for me, of course. G GTA 5 you're yeah. playing? Have you played any of it? I, I beat it a long time ago and loved it. It, oh, it wow. redeemed it for me. GTA 4, I hated GTA 5. They won themselves back to me. You like GTA 5? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. GTA 4 yeah. sucked. Uh, and 
Okay. I'm all out of everything. I don't have anything that's, else. That, that's it for today, everybody. Blake, that's my line. That's it for today, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Brian Provinciano. V Blank Entertainment is the name of his company. No, they do not make pornography. They make video games. And Brian, hopefully you're going to make another great one. You're going to avoid that soft, sophomore slump. And you're going to keep hitting, as they say, home runs in the baseball business. Really, I'm a big Thanks fan. Thanks very much. Thank you so big much. Big fan of you as well. And Stitcher, you can Stitcher. also see us on podcasts. Follow us on YouTube. And YouTube and everything. You know, you Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Blake. Good night, everybody. Mwah! Vic's Basement would like to thank its sponsors, EB Games, Nintendo, Xbox, and Gameloft, makers of Dragon Mania Legends, which you can play for free right now.